So language is a funny thing. Um, <clears throat> language is culture and it's human behavior and human insight and creativity. Uh, language is extraordinarily powerful. And because of its power, it's also quite dangerous. Uh, we see in this moment of Pentecost... Um, God doing strange things with language. And in a sense, it's the culmination of God using language. Now, I will say at the outset that I'm going to make maybe a controversial statement. It's not actually that controversial because the stakes are low. Um, but in the moment of Pentecost, when the Spirit comes and descends on uh, the disciples and they start speaking all of these languages, I do not link this with the Tower of Babel. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's a, basically a coincidence. Because from really the moment God began to interact with human beings, it meant that God has to use language. And if God has to use language, that means God also has to communicate via culture. There's no way to remove language from culture. Um, I remember asking a, an old professor of mine uh, who I think he spoke Taiwanese. I don't remember. Something like that. And I said, is that a difficult language? And he said, no, but the hard part is getting people to understand that it's a very different culture. And so... One way to look at the entire biblical narrative is God stepping down and actually interacting with creation, with his people, where they are, which means he has to use language. He has to communicate in ways that a culture will understand. And that, as it turns out, is a little tricky. Um putting together that video and having a bunch of different people read a bunch of different languages. Just brute observation. It was astonishing at how different the lengths of those recordings were. Because there's no such thing as a word-to-word -word translation. It just doesn't even work like that. And so language in that sense can become an immense barrier between people. I'll never forget being in high school and my family and a few others from my church went down to Mexico. We were establishing a relationship with some people that eventually turned into some really cool ministry opportunities. We didn't have a translator. And they were like, well, Eric, you've taken the most Spanish here, so you're the translator. <laughs> it... Uh, I used to be better at it. Um, like, we got, we got through it. We'll just say that. It was so difficult. It became a huge barrier between the people that we wanted to work with and the people who wanted to work with us. Um, and then another, I think it's like two years after that, and I'll just bring this up because it was funny. Um, my brother was the only one that get, got bit by all of these bugs. We assumed that they were where we were sleeping. And so we had to take him to a clinic. And as it turns out, you know, in class they don't give you 
language for, hey, my brother got bit by all of these weird bugs. He was the only one. We think it was where we were sleeping. We got through it. He got medicine. It, he didn't die, so it's fine. Um, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is doing is cutting through that. He's tearing down barriers. Because language can be such an immense barrier. Even if you speak the same language, if you've ever had a chance to go to the UK or to Ireland or Scotland, might as well be a different language depending on where you are. Um, Now, that's the first point. Language is also, as I've said, immensely powerful. It can create things. It can inspire. It can inspire to do immense evil. It can help forge a relationship. It can tear a relationship apart. Um, You know that old saying, like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? The only reason why people say that is because it isn't true. You notice that? You say that to a kid because they've just been immensely hurt by words. And if you're around people who are struggling long enough, you'll learn that words can actually do irreparable damage, depending on who said them. Somebody who deeply mattered to that person, most likely. Words, uh, words can, of course, always build up. Words can inspire. Words can call out the best in people. But words can also damage. Um, He uh, was commenting on a passage from the book of James who basically is saying, control your tongue, watch what you say. Um, the, a, uh, I think he's a former pastor now. There was a little bit of a scandal uh, surrounding his family. But John Ortberg had said, um, you know, how much, of our, how much of the sin do we commit is a result of what we say? And so if you want to sin less, just maybe talk less. He's not wrong. <laughs> And so in that sense, words that we can use can not only create a barrier, but it can reveal the darkest parts of us. The things that we say to people when we're deeply upset. And then to try to walk that back, sometimes we'll say like, oh, I didn't mean it. Right? Are you sure? Because... I I don't know about you, but every time I've said something terrible to somebody, um, I meant it. (laughs) I regretted it later. But there was a part of me where I meant it. And I think that's true for the rest of us. That words reveal, our words, will often reveal what's going on deep within us. And when those words happen to tear down, when those words happen to be abusive, when those words do not 
function as language was intended to be, which is something beautiful and expressive and creative and creating, then it reveals the ultimate problem with humanity. That God has given us these immense gifts as human beings, and we have thrown, them in, thrown those things in God's face, that our words reveal the best and the worst in us. Which is part of like the whole tension. If you want to talk about the Bible as literature, the whole narrative tension of the Bible, which is this lingering question of where is God's presence and how is God's presence going to return to this sacred space? Again, shameless plug from my Bible study that started last week. If you weren't here last week, we'll catch you up. And that lingering question is finally and ultimately answered in the moment of Pentecost. And nobody except for some of the prophets saw it coming. Now, the Pentecost story is riddled with imagery of divine space. The tongues of fire, God being, uh, God's presence uh, often being experienced as this dense impenetrable smoke or this dangerous consuming fire. But rather than this divine terrifying presence resting in, in a sacred space, like in a spot, he actually comes and descends on his own people. I've talked about this before, I will talk about it a lot over my career. It marks human beings as sacred space. That you are the very presence of God in the community. I did not say you are God. <laughs> That's something different. Uh, that's heresy, among other things. Um, but you are the carriers, the bearers of sacred space, of divine presence everywhere you go. That's one of the messages of Pentecost. So not only does it represent a, a barrier between each other that God has then torn apart, it also represents a, a final answer to this lingering question of where is God. And as it turns out, it's right here in you. And that's not a new agey, like, oh, God is in all of us and we are all in God. No, 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 none of that nonsense. That God has literally marked you as sacred space. And yet there's a problem. Because divine perfection is not going to play nice filling a space that is marred by brokenness and sin. So Jesus' death becomes this action, this, this cleansing action, this purifying action. And so we take very seriously that when the Apostle Paul explains, you are buried with Jesus in your baptism, it means that brokenness, that propensity uh, to use language to destroy and tear down. 
to violate what it means to be created in God's image. Like all of that dies in Jesus and you are raised to new life. Like God is actually creating something new in you. And not only that, but God then has marked you as sacred space, marked by the blood of the Lamb. Like the, the Bible is riddled with ways to talk about this. So God has torn down those barriers between us. He's broken uh, down or torn down the barrier between us and God in this crazy wild moment we call Pentecost. But then he also launches something different, something new. Famously, uh, this reading is kind of like uh, well, actually, I, I can't think of a good word for it. Um, you know, because it's Pentecost in language. I'm just striking out. Whatever, that's fine. Um, we'll just say this reading in Acts is kind of a bummer, usually for whoever gets stuck having to read it. Because of that uh, list of nations or list of, of people groups. Because they're hard and they're weird to read. Uh, the word pamphylia does not generally come up in our normal conversation. And scholars have long tried to figure out why Luke, when telling this story, is so keen on giving a list of nations. Because that, those nations don't really correlate to anything specific, or at least anything obvious. Uh, one scholar whose name, of course, escapes me, however, I think has a really good point. Uh, you would encounter living at the time of the New Testament lists of nations like this, but it was usually in the context of people groups that the Roman Empire has dominated. It's meant to be a list of people saying, or a list that, that implies, look at the might of Rome. We have conquered all of these people. And you find these kinds of lists all over the place and throughout their history. Only Luke's list is different because at least at that time, it includes, or it begins with a people group that Rome had not been able to conquer, the Parthians at least by that point. Instead, it, for these earliest Christians, it becomes a list of victory. And I think we are, as, as followers of Jesus, so shaped by this list, but in a way that is not obvious. It was really easy to find believers just connected to our little community here in Albuquerque that spoke a bunch of languages. And I am confident I could find more pretty quickly. Because nothing like the historic Christian church has ever existed. There is nothing 
that has touched more people across more time, who speak so many different languages, who are part of so many different cultures, who have changed the course of human history. Nothing like it exists. And I am convinced that at least part of that comes to this moment at Pentecost. Because not only did God break down those barriers between ourselves in that moment, not only does it point to the fact that God has broken down a barrier between us and God that costs his son his own life, but it has very subtly but very deeply so shaped who we are as believers that the rest of the history of the Christian church has been us spreading like a virus. And if it's a matter of infecting a different culture and learning a few other languages, we, our people, have risen to that challenge beyond anything else that has ever existed. It is amazing. I, um, because I'm a huge nerd, I do some programming and stuff on the side. And uh, one of my apps that, that, that I've written, um, uh, you, can, you can get it on your phone if you want. It, it deals with like the Greek New Testament and, and helping translate it uh, for people who are learning Greek. And I put it out there. I made it because I wanted to, because I was bored and wanted to learn that particular language, and uh, not Greek, but the programming language, and just put it up there. And then, like a month ago, two months ago, I started getting a bunch of emails about it. And um, there, there were some issues with it, and so I've been kind of patching it off and on, you know, with all of my free time. Um, and when I was going to, you know, finally upload the new version, I thought, you know, I should probably see who's actually using this. And it was a moment of, oh, <laughs> there were thousands of like active users, I had no idea, and all over the world, like Philippines, mainland China, it's like, oh, be careful. <laughs> but I, I mean, all I did was just throw it up there, and it's just, it, it just underscored how global and how universal this ragtag group of people that started in this tiny, meaningless, backwaters region called Judea in a town that is, was honestly not that big of a deal by like broader global standards called Jerusalem that just spread out. And within 200 years of that moment, uh, well, a little more, 250 years, with the Roman emperor is a Christian. Within a few hundred years after that, the Western world identifies as followers of Jesus and part of this church. And if, well, maybe 500-ish years after that, you get this newfangled thing that, that uh, we'll eventually call hospitals. Because as it turns out, if you're a follower of Jesus, you care about the health and well-being of those around you. 
And, and if you care as a follower of Jesus about the creation in which God has placed you, it, it, and it took a while, but over time it started to shape the way that followers of Jesus look at the world around them. And as it turns out, we want to look at it a little more deeply. And so we develop these ideas, um, well, well, we'll just call it experimentation. And all of like those great foundational people of science, you know, Blaise Pascal and Gregor Mendel and, 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 and all of these others, like they were all Christians. A lot of them were monks. You are part of a community of people that has transcended culture and language and time and values. And the moment this international, multicultural, multilanguage, multi-generation thing that we call the church, who by no means has gotten everything right. In fact, we've made some terrible mistakes. But we, we have changed the course of the world for so much good. The moment that this begins is when a bunch of Galilean peasants start speaking a whole bunch of languages they didn't know 10 seconds before that. Pentecost is known as the birthday of the church. Happy birthday. <laughs> as you are able, please rise. As we will now confess our common faith, confessed for the last... 1700-ish years, maybe a little more than that, with the words of the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> 